which by the way, lead into this <laughs> Sunday sermon talking about godly grief that leads to repentance. That's, mm-hmm. and Paul says, I'm not sad that you felt grieved. You know, sometimes I think we, we in our culture, we try to suppress the feeling of guilt so much. I heard this one person say, this is a philosopher, not a Christian, said the modern condition is that we feel sinful, but we don't feel guilty. Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church. Sermon Extra, great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie, is the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado, and it is eerily quiet here in this room, even though we are still under construction, so there might be some bangs and pops that come up, but yeah, no drills. It's just quite amazing, actually, quite surreal. Yeah, the painting doesn't make a lot of noise. Yeah, a lot of squishy noise, I guess, but yeah. So a little painting going on, little lights are going up and stuff like that progress is being made and so yeah one day our our set might look a little bit different than it does right now but uh yeah back into uh in our we're going to be in our series again second corinthians uh and paul's second letter and strength and weakness was the name of our series and uh if you missed any of that whitefieldschurch.com you can find sunday sermon up there and uh, also any of your favorite podcasting platforms, YouTube, Facebook, all of the regulars. And, you know, if you just would, thumbs up, subscribe, you know, like, and all of those fun things just kind of pushes us up in the, the algorithm. And so that when people are asking, you know, questions about what we're going to talk about today, about being un- unequally yoked, what does it mean to be, you know, you want to marry that, that, that person? Man, they're amazing, but they're not a Christian what should I do? And you type that into Google and hopefully we will come up with a Christ-centered and, and a gospel-centered answer for you. But that is, yes, that was the title of our message. Second uh, Corinthians, the last part of chapter 6 going on in chapter 7. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? And so we're just going to kind of talk about that today since, you know, that's kind of the reason people or the one of the main reasons people are going to be watching this particular podcast and why they were so interested on Sunday. But we're also not only talk about some of the obvious reasons, but let's just talk about some of the not so obvious reasons of what does it mean to be unequally yoked? Yeah. So we talked a lot about it on Sunday. I made the point and showed from the context that Paul isn't primarily addressing the dating habits of the Corinthians, but this does apply to that, right? It does apply to dating for the purpose of marriage and marriage itself. And so, um, you know, in that we did have a couple of questions come up. There are things that we didn't have time to address in the sermon, but I think they're very applicable. So one of the questions that comes up is like, can you be unequally yoked in a friendship? Um, And I would say yes, because again, this gets to the question of like influences that change your thinking. Are you being conformed to this world or are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? And so if you're taking in, if you have a relationship with people or I would add, add media to this as well, people or media who are shaping your thinking away from the mind of Christ and the way of Jesus, then that is an unequally yoked relationship. We see this with Jesus. You can use the example of the thermostat versus the thermometer. The thermometer just changes Uh, the way it looks and the way it acts based on the temperature in the room. But the thermostat changes the temperature in the room. Mm 
So Jesus was a classic thermostat, right? Comes into the room, prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners of all types. And yet rather than being changed, he has an effect on the room. Now, this is a matter you got to be real honest with, have some self-awareness here. Where are your weaknesses, right? So like, let's say you struggle with um, an addiction or alcoholism, for example, maybe like reaching out to people in a bar is not the place that you should be doing that, right? Which is an area of weakness. Same goes for certain relationships. There might be certain people who the dynamic in your relationship is that that person has an impact and an effect on you that says, that does not encourage you to walk with the Lord. Um, they're kind of the opposite of an accountability partner, right? So um, in those relationships, you might have to have the wisdom to say, you know what, I am this relationship is having a bad effect on me. My walk with the Lord, it's changing my thinking to conform me to the world and the world's values, goals, etc., as opposed to the mind of Christ and the heart of God. And so I'm going to have to take a step back from this relationship or maybe have some certain boundaries within it um, and pursue other relationships primarily instead. So does it apply to friendship? I would say absolutely. Here's another question that we get is like... Um, can a person, can you be unequally yoked in a relationship with someone who is also a Christian, but perhaps more nominally Christian than you are? And I would say, once again, the answer is yes. Although I want to point out um, that the verse itself, uh, this is 2 Corinthians six fourteen, says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It specifically mentions unbelievers. So the question really goes beyond the text. So um, I, I do think it's a fair question, and I think it's a good question because here's why. You know, some, I've seen this happen a lot where you'll get someone who is a uh, committed Christian following Jesus, and yet then they meet somebody who's probably cute, and uh, they like them, and they're like, are you a Christian? The person's like, well, yeah, I guess, right? Or maybe they'll like kind of be like, oh, I can't can't marry this person unless they become a Christian. So it's kind of like a twist their arm until they say, mm. uncle, okay, fine. I'm a Christian, right? Like, okay, I'll, I'll say that I'm a Christian so that we can get married or maybe even just tell them, Hey, so here's how it works. I can't marry you unless you say you're a Christian or unless you are a Christian. The person's like, okay, well, I want to marry you. So I'll do that. But they really haven't experienced a big change in their heart or maybe, you know, they, they do believe, but it's just not a very important part of their life. Um, is that an unequally yoked relationship? Well, I would tend to say yes. Again, it goes beyond what this verse is specifically talking about. But I would say, look, when you are looking for somebody to marry or be in a, in a close relationship with, I think you want to answer a few questions. I think that you want to, there should be some degree of physical attraction. There should be some degree of like, you actually like the person and enjoy their company. Like I would say that spiritual friendship as opposed to romance is the, um, the most important basis for a for a marriage relationship and friendship happens, you know, uh, CS Lewis puts it this way for loves. He says the posture of romance is two people looking at each other and saying, I love you, right? Like I want you. He says the posture of friendship is two people standing side by side, looking at a third thing and saying, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And he says that that's, that's the basis for marriage is 
looking at Jesus and saying, isn't he amazing while you stand side by side? And then, you know, you can then look at each other too. But what happens is if, if your posture is only just looking at each other and saying, aren't you amazing? Aren't I amazing? We're amazing. Um, at some point that, that doesn't last. That can't be a foundation long-term for marriage because, uh, it, it only go, takes you so far at some point you're going to say, you know what? You're actually not that amazing. And they're going to say, you know what? You're actually not that amazing. And you're both right. Um, yeah. So that's the area where you say like familiarity can breed contempt. But if the basis of your relationship isn't that you think each other are amazing, but that you both think Jesus is amazing and you're yoked to him, you know, like an ox mm -hmm. and plowing that field that he's set before you, that's a real good basis for marriage. All that to say, if somebody's not on the same level with you spiritually, um, that would be another factor. So physical, I would say some degree of interest and friendship. And then there needs to be a level of spirituality where you both want the same things, not just that you believe the same things, but you have the same, same goals and same level, I guess, of desiring the Lord and wanting to walk in his ways. What, what do you think? No, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I think anecdotally, I would say within ministry, that idea of people being maybe on different roads when they like the example I would give is that I several times I've had people on the worship team that were they were very dedicated to being on the team and it was a huge commitment and everything like that and then they got married and one of the things I would do when people did that was that I would say I don't want to see you until you and your wife decide that you still want to be part of the worship team because realizing like this is a joint decision, this is not, you know, as you said, one person's gung-ho ministry, maybe she's not so gung-ho ministry. This is taking your whole Sunday away and another evening during the week. You know, for us, it was a Saturday morning rehearsal. So there was a lot of like family time, a family, you know, where, where those two things, if, if, if she's not on board with that or he's not on board with that, then that to me would have been an unequally yoked situation that could be remedied through wisdom and through counseling. And of course, those, those kind of things, it's not necessarily with the unbeliever, but, but these, I think are, I think there's some wisdom in, in, you know, going into relationships. And I like what you said that key is, are they both in love with the Lord? You know, and I think that's a great place to start. And, and so if that's a place to start, then usually, and most often they came back and they became part of the worship team and that the wife or spouse became an integral part of the family. Cause you know, in ministry, we, we are a family and it's important. I know for us, you know, that we're, we're not just looking to work with a staff member, we realize that staff member brings along an entire family and that we're being yoked, you know, not only to that staff member, but to their entire family. And so we want to make sure that that's a fit uh, for the whole church because they're going to be an integral part of it. So, yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, I think it starts at that level, unbelievers. But I think, as you said, I think it's a valid question. What are the other things that we can be you know, uh, yoked to, you know, and even in the secular world, I, I mean, I remember being in the Marine Corps. I, I don't know. It, I think it was just pure ignorance because I came from a Christian family. I really knew nothing but being a Christian. It was so very much a part of my identity, but I remember being the Marine Corps and watching guys who I knew they were Christians, but they just, they, they tried to walk the line. They need, they wanted to be yoked 
to to the fun side of of whatever that was and i kind of came in and like well hey i don't drink or chew or go with girls who do kind of thing (laughs) and that was kind of my mantra you know and so i was this jesus freak and the bible thumper you know and they called me that all the time but it separated me out i i was never I never got necessarily invited to all the parties and, and all of that kind of stuff because they just knew that wasn't a part of who I was. I wasn't yoked to that side, but I saw guys and they struggled so hard with trying to be a Christian, but yet also try and walk that line. Like, well, I want to be part of the, the scene as well. And, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a real struggle to try and, as you said, be be you know, not being transformed in your mind, but being conformed to the world. And, and, you know, and it's supposed to be the opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a valid question. What are we yoking ourselves to? And I think that can be, I think, various, various things, you know, even in business, Mm -hmm. you know, um, friendships, as you talked about as well. Um, Yeah, you know, um, just, I think this is part of what Paul's saying here. I would say I just kind of add one more thought, which is that, uh, you know, the person who's living as like a carnal Christian, which clearly there was some part of the Corinthian church that was about, you know, that um, they're they're always like a fish out of water. And I've, I've heard it said, and I think it's probably true uh, from my experience and observations that the most miserable person is the person who tries to live with like one foot in the world and one foot you know, walking with the Lord because neither are going to be really successful, right? They're going to be really miserable when they're out doing the party thing because they're just going to be convicted the whole time. And so it's like they're doing it and they're having fun, but they're hating it at the same time. They feel so much uh, guilt, which by the way, lead into this (laughs) Sunday sermon talking about godly grief that leads to repentance. That's, Mm -hmm. and Paul says, I'm not sad that you felt grieved. You know, sometimes I think we, we, in our culture, we try to suppress the feeling of guilt so much. I heard this one person say, this is a philosopher, not a Christian, said the modern condition is that we feel sinful, but we don't feel guilty. And I think that's a really interesting thing because we've tried to like get rid of guilt. Um, But Paul is saying, and the Bible, right, is saying that, you know what, guilt has a role to play um, that's not all bad, right? There's a sense of godly grief that leads us to Repentance. I'm getting ahead of myself, but my point is this, that they're, they're, they struggle to walk with the Lord because, you know, they've only got one foot walking with the Lord. They've got the other foot in the world, but they're miserable in the world. And they're also miserable in their walk with the Lord because they just feel like a fish out of water all the time. And I think that's a, such a terrible place to be. Like I almost feel, I don't almost, I absolutely feel bad for the person who is living in that way, carnal Christian, trying to, trying to do both at the same time. And that's clearly what Paul's speaking to in this section. Come out from among them. Be separated unto the Lord. If the biggest problem you have is that people uh, call you a Bible thumper, that, that's probably okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't care. I mean, you know, they call you all kinds of names, the Marine Corps. So <laughs> that was kind of one of the kindest things I probably was called in the Marine Corps. But, but no, it just reminds me of what, you know, the, uh, the, what has set up this entire, probably the last three weeks, 
the text, we are new creations in Christ. You know, that, you know, that verse has kind of set the tone for all that we've studied now through chapter 7. You know, that we just see the world differently. And that means we are yoked to different, we have different outlook. We have different, you know, ways we loves. We have different things that, you know, uh, goals in life and all those kind of things. And, it, and, and that's, that's difficult to then try and yoke yourself to somebody who's going to complete opposite direction and the world is going the complete opposite direction and that's kind of Paul's point right we just come out of that come be set apart be set, be holy mm-hmm. you know as, as 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 we're called to yeah and just and just final thought like as I'm talking about like being miserable as a person who's trying to ride that fence mm-hmm. I think that that's a really important thing for people today to understand the Bible encouraged us to be holy to be separate and a lot of people think, I, I assume that people in our culture think that that's like a heavy thing. Like, you know, it's a heavy burden that you're taking on to do that. And Jesus says, no, my yoke is actually light. It's a heavy burden to try and live up to the world's standards and expectations and goals and values. What's light is to walk with me, which is why I always say holiness leads to happiness, right? That's, that's what I would want people to know. And I think that so many people, they think that holiness is a bummer. And I think that really the message that God wants you to hear is, no, no, it's actually not. It's actually for your good. It leads to happiness. So, yeah, I mean, just another thought came to my mind just on that idea of like when I found out what it actually, I mean, as I said, I grew up in a Christian home. I always heard about this thing called partying. Mm -hmm. Like, man, we went out and partied and everything. And I like, I I, I had these visions of what partying really was. Like, what what do they go and do when they party and stuff? And so when I got to the Marine Corps and I realized what partying was, was basically you just get so drunk that you can't find your way back and like, dude, we really partied. And they're like passed out on the blacktop. Yeah. They can't get back to the barracks. And I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that all you do when you party is drink as much beer as possible. Yeah. You spend hundreds of dollars and then like go to someone's living room or where, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not missing out on too much. <laughs> so it wasn't too hard to be set apart from that as yeah. I watched all these young guys who were suddenly could drink as much as they possibly could. They're on their own, and all they did with it was just go and get crazy, crazy drunk. But there's no segue from that to my next question. <laughs> <laughs> but, Maybe uh, there is. Let's find yeah. one. Well, they were definitely, you know, what chord is Christ with Balial? And that was the word. What is this word? Who is Balial? Is he some weird guy we've never heard of? Right. Is he the Demogorgon? <laughs> is the Demogorgon, Kinda, yeah. I guess, right? It's like, so Belial is just a Hebrew word that means worthless one. Yeah. And uh, clearly here it's a reference to Satan, right? right so, right. yeah, you could think, you know, uh, Judas is called the son of perdition, right? So perdition means the same thing, waste. And here you have Belial being a Hebrew term, which means waste, you know, yeah, the wasteful one or wastelessness. And it's, uh, or sorry, not wastelessness, but yeah, just wastefulness. And, um, and that's clearly, it's, it's capitalized here. It's wastefulness personified, which is Satan, which tells us a lot, right? That's what perdition, that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, going your own way leads to, um, it's the opposite of salvation, right? Wastefulness. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Satan is that embodied. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it kind of underlies the, the underlines the point that 
whatever, you know, what he's talking about being yoked to is not pulling just a little off. It's pulling the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the danger of what Paul is trying to get at, that being unequally yoked, is that it's not just pulling you off just a bit. It's pulling you the opposite direction. And that's going to be hard work trying to fight that nonstop. And who wants to be yoked to, to Satan anyway? So that'd be a, a lesson, you know, in itself. So, you know, what do you guys think about that? You know, I know this text, you know, you probably came to this podcast because it probably has a title about being unequally yoked or something like that. Um, you know, in the marriage and dating and all that come. But what about some of these other things, you know, that we can talk about being connected to? You know, what what are your thoughts on that? Let us know. We'd love to hear any thoughts you might have on that. And uh, make sure you like and subscribe. As you say, whitefieldschurch.com. You can download the message there. And we'll see you next week. God bless. <laughs>